founded Quinn with a mission to challenge the status quo within our food system. Since its humble beginnings from her attic in 2010, Quinn has been trailblazing a growing movement around ingredient transparency and climate-friendly agriculture practices. Christie's deep commitment to eliminating chemicals and pesticides from the overall supply chain is not only instrumental to the health of our ecosystem, but has the domino effect of bettering the lives of farmers, our families, and society in general. We chat to Christy to find out more about Quinn's journey. Christy, thank you so much indeed for joining me today. Um, 22nd of April is Earth Day, which I'm sure is a big event in Quinn's diary. Can you tell us why? Yeah, thanks for having me, Gil. Um, so I, I have always believed that as companies, um, as Quinn, as a company and a brand, we we have a fiduciary responsibility to our planet. And Earth Day is a wonderful reminder of that. Um, I think, you know, every day should be Earth Day, but um, Earth Day definitely is, some, is something that is marked on the map as um, something that, you know, everyone really should be paying attention to. Um, mm -hmm. What what we stand for at Quinn is that we really believe on pr protecting and regenerating the earth we inhabit. Um, and so if we keep if we keep taking and taking and not giving back, then then we really fail it. Um, it's the same thing for us, right? Like if we take and take from us and we don't replenish it, um, we wither away. Um, mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. Um, it's really our life source. And a lot of this starts with the food we eat and how it's grown, um, which is what we do at Quinn. So it's a it's very important day for us. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you get involved? Yes. So for Earth Day, I mean, as a company, um, we are actually, well, personally, we're going to um, a farm in, in our area. We live in Boulder, Colorado, and we're going to do a volunteer day um, and help with MASA, uh, which is a pretty um, interesting program. And um, we also, I mean, we, we do a lot of fun things with Earth Day to bring more attention to it. Um, we are a salty snack company, so we're a, we're a fun company, but doing a lot of good um, in the ag space. Um, so the, the whole month of April, we're really trying to push awareness around Earth Day and get more of our consumers involved um, on why it's so important. You also like to get very involved with regenerative agriculture. For those who do not know, can you explain what regenerative agriculture is? Yeah, so I think in order to really explain this for those who don't know, so I think that re regenerative agriculture means different things to different people, uh, especially different things to different companies and brands. And, and I'll try and give the Cliff Notes version here, but... Um, you know, for those who are not familiar, 95% of our food supply depends on our topsoil to grow to grow it. Mm -hmm. And D Dave Vetter is one of our our farmers. We've worked with him for almost 13 years now, and um, he once told us that you know a sit a six inch layer of a not so significant portion of our Earth's crust is dependent on this. And so. Um, if you think about it, the, the U.S. soil used for crops is eroding 10 times faster than it can be replenished. Um, the erosion in, the, in North American grain yields are expected to drop by 25 percent in the year 2050. And this erosion can also lead up to 50 percent of loss in crop yields. 
which is pretty drastic, right? Um, but yet, you know, we're expecting our soil to feed nine billion people by 20, 2050. Um, so that that's a, a big thing for us. Um, you know, as as Quinn defines regenerative agriculture, um, we have 895 million of acres of farmland in the United States, and only 9.3 of them <clears throat> are organic. Sorry, Gil, I've been I feel like I've been talking since Expo West, and I'm losing <laughs> my voice. Um, but um, which is great. I mean, we're, the focus on organic is is absolutely necessary. So we're seeing a lot of progress um, getting certain pesticides and chemicals out of the system. But but at Quinn, we were trying to figure out, OK, well, what are we doing with the rest of 99 percent of agriculture? Um, and how do we grow food in a way that has a measurable impact on the health of our soil and our ecosystems and communities? And and how do we define regenerative agriculture? And so that's something that we've really taken a, a close look at. But from from my perspective, and Dave Vetter also taught me this, is that you know I have three boys, and the idea was how do we get the pesticides and synthetics and herbicides out of our food system? Let's start there. And Dave, you know, once told me that you really can't do that until you create a healthy ecosystem in the soil where it's thriving. Um, and that's where we started to learn more about crop rotation, um, less to no tillage, um, introducing livestock, um, creating this, this massive ecosystem that captures carbon, um, but also provides a more nutrient dense product um, and then also increases your food security down the road. Um, so we we really think about it a little bit more holistically. We are we are not into um, certifications. We're working and we'll get into this in a second, but we're really working to verify practices on our on our farms that we work with um, and to convert conventional over into regenerative. And regenerative for us really means you know the following is to eliminate um, over time, synthetics and herbicides and pesticides, and then creating um, just kind of like how Mother Nature in intended us to grow our food. You have also recently partnered with the Soil Carbon Initiative. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so they're very aligned with our mindset. Um, we partnered with Green America and the Soil Carbon Initiative, and, and really they are working um, in partnership with us, uh, working with our our farmers and our growers to grow ingredients more regeneratively. And, and we know this is not an overnight solution. This takes decades, right? So it's, um, it's a verification program. And we, again, I mentioned like we're not big on certifications, um, but the verification program for us, we're a really small company. We're, we're 15 people. And so it requires a ton of our bandwidth to work um, day to day with our growers on verifying. And so what, um, SCI does is that they're there to help, right? They work with our growers um, so that we can really help um, them be and do better in their ag journey. Um, you know, every every year needs to be an improvement. Um, so, you know, if they're reducing pesticides by 60% one year and the next year by 80% and the year after by 100% um, in conjunction with, you know, introducing crop rotation one year and then minimal to no tillage the next year and then livestock the next year. It's all about improving. Um, we are, as an organization with them, very aligned on improving the soil health, reducing climate impacts and protecting and enhancing our farmers' livelihoods. So it's a phenomenal partnership and we're really grateful for them. 
So would it be correct to say that Quinn really is pushing to take the snacking space back to its roots? Yeah, I think I really think that's accurate, um, Gil. I, you know, when we started this back in 2010, um, I used to go around trying to explain what we were what we were doing, like introduce more transparency into the food system, knowing where your food is coming from, how it's grown. Um, and I used to go around saying, you know, we're taking it back to basics. So essentially, um, I think that's definitely a fair assumption. Um, back then we didn't have definitions like regenerative agriculture right um so it was right now i mean there's a kind of a unified understanding of what that means and what companies are trying to do with it but you know back in 2010 and 2013 when we were really pushing this um it was really hard to communicate what we were doing and why um so yes like taking snacking back to its roots um absolutely can you tell us about Quinn, when you started, why you started, and also about the challenge that you have um, issued to the others in the snacking space? Yeah, absolutely. So we started Quinn, I started this in my attic um, outside of Boston, Massachusetts, um, when my first, I have three boys, and so when my first son Quinn was born, um, three days later, I jumped in. I was on maternity leave, and I'd been thinking about this idea for, you know, eight years uh, prior to that event. Um, the idea was really to reinvent and reimagine the microwave popcorn category, um, putting a safer and healthier alternative into the market. And we um, went on this quest on trying to source compostable paper for our bag, taking the the PFOAs and PFCs and, you know, all the scary stuff out. Um, the idea was to use real ingredients, so no artificial or natural flavors, but it was really, you know, the fight to show big CPG that we could do this differently um, and we could do it better. And it, it was more of a kind of a fight project for me. I just couldn't believe that we were allowing this nonsense to exist in our grocery stores. Um, and, you know, it had been stewing in my head for eight years. So so I just jumped in. And then what we realized um, during the process was the lack of transparency in our food system back in 2010 was absolutely appalling. Um, and so we launched um, in 20, 2012, 2013, our farm to bag transparency policy, um, which was our commitment to showcase where our ingredients were coming from. Even when we were not proud of it, we really wanted to hold our feet to the fire and and allow our consumers to know what they were eating and and where it was where it was coming from. Um, and then the idea was for other companies to join in. Like if we could do this, then other companies could feel more um, vulnerable to be transparent in their supply chain because that's where that's when change starts to happen. Um, the biggest issue for, for me over time became, okay, great, you know, farm to bag transparency program is, is where it's coming from, but why, you know, where were we sourcing it? How was it being grown? Who was growing it? Um, and that became my biggest, my biggest question. Um, and so in order for us to really understand that, we, we really started to dive in um, and focus on the rest of the system to create ma massive change. Um, we really focused on our conventional growers, on what they were doing, how we could do things differently and how we could do it better. And that's where, um, you know, regenerative agriculture came up in 20, I think it was 2014. Um, and then 2015, we started to really lean in there. But we were really trying to, again, reduce and eliminate over time the pesticides and chemicals going onto their land, into their land, onto the food we eat, um, so we could change the system. Um, 
but I, I will say this, this has been like a holistic process because mm-hmm. what, what was really fascinating to me is that I thought it was as simple as, okay, well, we're not going to use X, Y, and Z easy peasy. Um, it's definitely not. I mean, you really can't do any of that without creating a healthy soil, which I spoke about earlier, which means creating a healthy ecosystem and regenerative ag practices, not only help with this, but, you know, they can also increase water infiltration, obviously capture carbon, um, which provides, you know, a more nutrient dense food. So it's very, there's, there's different thoughts to this, but there's a climate thought approach to regenerative agriculture practices. And then there's, you know, a healthy benefit approach for human health and planet, planet health. We lean more towards the human health and planet health, but also knowing that what we do is, is having a massive impact on climate. So it's just, it was, it was really more about how these practices minimize soil disturbances, keep the soil covered. We work with diversity of plants and animals on, on certain farms that we, we work with, and then obviously includes cover crop, crop rotation um, and to get to min- minimal or no tillage. So it was really about us trying to revive the ecosystem um, and you know, in turn eliminate synthetic inputs, which obviously increases the health of our soil. Um, and now studies are finally coming out. I mean, back then it was more of a gut feeling for me, but the idea was that if we could do this, we would produce a healthier, better for you crop. And actually mm-hmm. studies are coming out now that it produces a more nutrient dense crop, um, which is not only better for our microbiome, um, but it's also this, you know, has a, correla- a correlation to mental health now. So it's it's really important for the health of our society that we we grow this way to set to set up, you know, the domino effect that this has thousands of years out from now. It's not about us, right? Um, it's it's about future generations to come. It's really important that we all start now. Have you noticed a, a bigger uptake by others in the sector following these practices or being more aware of the necessity of these practices? Absolutely. I mean, here, I think we're we're a little slow over here <laughs> to follow. I think Europe has has a high regard for standards and you all were probably doing this a lot earlier than, than we have. But um, a lot of the smaller brands have taken this approach. And, and the idea is just to focus. It's not to, sometimes this, it can be very intimidating to small companies and even large companies. But the idea is just to focus on one ingredient, right? Your top commodity item focus. If it's not your top one, it's your top two, your top three. And I think this allows folks, it's it's more approachable. They don't they don't feel as intimidated to go through. Um, so small brands are starting that way. And then, you know, we have a lot, a lot of larger brands over here committed to these practices and, and really huge brands that everyone is very aware of. Um, the Kellogg, General Mills of the World, Danone, um, Mondelez. I mean, everyone's really starting to have a, have a huge um, mindset shift that mm-hmm. they, we really need to do things better and do things differently. Um, so even though they're the, such large conglomerates, like they are thinking the right way, a lot of them have big sustainability initiatives and departments um, and ESG folks running that over there, which is definitely a change from 2010. Like that did not exist back then. So we, we have made strides. We just need to really keep um, pushing our way for the better. You are known for your industry firsts. Can you outline some of these for me? 
Yeah, absolutely. So our microwave popcorn bag, um, that is an industry first. Um, we were trying to show, you know, the, the larger companies that we could do it differently and better. And so I think we have actually changed that landscape, or I would like to think that we've we've been stewards of that. Um, we were the first and only ones for years, um, I would say like eight, eight to nine years um, that didn't have PFOAs, um, PFCs, which are natural um, and known carcinogens um, leaching into into popcorn bags. So I think that was um, that was something that that was, um, you know, an industry first and we were really proud of. It took seven years to patent that bag. Wow. Um, and then the other industry first is that we took a stance in the um, gluten free pretzel category, which was um, introducing the first whole grain gluten-free pretzel made with uh, sorghum flour, um, which is an ancient grain and, and much more tolerant to drought than other crops. Um, and then uh, back in 2019, we actually launched the first gluten-free peanut butter filled nugget. Um, that was a, a pretzel that I had really grown up loving that I couldn't eat anymore. And so I thought, you know, if if I missed it, I'm sure there's a lot of others who missed it. And so we really turned that um, peanut butter pretzel um, uh, into a better for you category. Um, so that's been um, really exciting to watch that that thrive. And now we have other, we're actually just launching a pizzeria in a couple of weeks and um, we have a maple almond in addition to our peanut butter and we have a, a vegan cheesy as well. What footprint, what footprint growth has Quinn clocked up recently? Uh, um, footprint growth. So do you mean how many, how many stores are we in? Yes, or? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so we started off um, in like three stores in Whole Foods in the North Atlantic region. And um, now, you know, after 12 years, we're in about um, 22,000 stores. Um, and so you can find us at Whole Foods, um, Sprouts, most all natural um, natural retailers across the, the country. And we're also in um, some larger conventional ones like Kroger and Safeway and Walmart. Um, and you can find us on on Amazon and Thrive and Hungry Root. We have some really cool e-com partnerships. Getting back to your partnerships with the farmers, you've mentioned your long-standing relationship with Dave Vetter. Can you also tell us about your partnerships with Steve McCaskill and Steve Tucker? Yeah, so so Dave has been, um, he really has been instrumental in into our journey at Quinn. Um, it's it's really unbelievable how how he helped shift and shape what we stand for today. Um, I was introduced to Steve Tucker about, gosh, I want to say it was three years ago. And he is a big visionary in regenerative agriculture. He has 3,000 acres of land um, that was being farmed conventionally by his grandfather. And when he inherited that, um, he realized, gosh, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so he has made so much progress. He um, grows regeneratively. Um, and we've been working with him on getting his sorghum into our pretzels. Um, mm -hmm. It does take a long time. So we're on year two of this project. And we're hoping that the, the sorghum gets into our pretzels um, next month. So this is why it's it's really it's it's more about patience and, and long-term mindset than an overnight process because these relationships take a lot of time. Um, same thing with Steve McCastle. Steve McCastle um, started off growing rice and then he actually started, um, or actually, um, pardon, started off growing cotton for mm -hmm. Levi 
Patagonia, and then merged into to um, really growing rice. And so, and then he is growing popcorn. So we actually introduced the first um, pesticide-free family farmed um, climate friendly popcorn kernels that we're really excited to support him on um, and then we're hoping to use his his rice in our in our pretzel soon um, but it's it's really about creating long-term relationships we we really do not want to create short-term relationships with this we know this is you know a five to ten year out um, pro projects really so we've been really fortunate we have a lot of other growers in the pipeline but we're trying to you know be pragmatic and work with um, Green America and the Soil Carbon Initiative to help verify uh, these partners. Christy, you've been honored as one of Fortune Magazine's most promising women entrepreneurs. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah, so this was, I, to be honest, I, um, I had my third baby when this happened. And so as you can imagine, like running a business and having this little guy, um, I was honored amongst um, some really incredible people all really in tech. Um, and then there was me <laughs> with, with this small food company. Um, and I was, um, you know, we had to fly out to Washington, D.C. and Michelle Obama spoke at this um, this event. And it, it was really quite incredible because I actually had to take um, Cole with me. He was, I want to say he was four, three or four months at the time. Wow. Um, and it was just as, and so as you can imagine, I was pretty much sleep deprived. So I don't really recall a lot of it, but um, <laughs> the CEO of Xerox was there and there were so many other phenomenal women leaders um, that it was it was kind of surreal to be honest. Um, I try and live up to that name <laughs> every, every every time that um, you know I come into the office and I, I really, it's such a privilege to be in, in my seat. Um, you know, it's, a, it's sometimes is we take this for granted, but it's really a privilege to be in a seat where you can try and have a massive um, impact in our industry. And so I try and remember that. Um, I really try and remember that every day when we're trying to to make change. Um, this is it's definitely not for the faint of heart, <laughs> but, um, but it's something that um, I really believe in, um, and we're very mission driven over here. So. It's um, it was it was great to be honored as is one of Fortune magazine's most promising women women entrepreneurs. And there's so many of us that d deserve um, to be recognized. But um, I just feel grateful that I'm in this seat um, that I'm in. How do you see stacking trains evolving over the next decade? I think the demand for pure food, real food is is really not that trend's not going away anytime soon, um, right. especially as you know, uh, as mom, I mean, I'm I'm definitely you know a mom of now. They're 12, nine, and seven, and it's um, now I'm competing for attention against the Frito Lays of the world. I mean, they go into school, and all their friends, um, you know, their parents shop at Costco in addition to Whole Foods, and and um, what we're finding is that you know even a lot of the influencers and YouTubers are backing you know, brands like Takis and Doritos and Cheetos and all the mm -hmm. stuff that like we really stand against, right? So even in my own household, it's really hard to compete against that when um, there's so much influence around these larger brands and, and they have so much money. And so I really hope that consumers can demand more from them and and really challenge them. Like why why are they coming into our space with artificial 
and you know horrible ingredients and yet they're targeting our children and so i think it's up you know up to us and up to um really moms and dads and and um even the next generation to demand better from our our food system and from the companies who who run it uh so that's something that i really hope um will kind of un unfold over the next decade um and there'll be lots of improvement tied to that um is the hope so what advice could you give a new producer looking to come into the space with better for you snacks yeah i would say um you know have a story have an ingredient story um even if it's just one ingredient um have a stance on on why that story should be in existence um and then i would also make sure that you just keep it simple keep it simple clean ingredients um keep it simple on processing if you can um and make sure that it tastes phenomenal and then you'll be good <laughs> so so <laughs> it's it's hard to do but um i think you know the times are changing and and it's up to all you know producers and manufacturers to produce clean and healthy um snacking quinn has managed to attract investment from several majors in the industry can you tell us about these investments We've been very lucky to have our investors, right? Because we in order to to grow and and keep doing what we're doing, we we do need backing right now. Um um but I would say to, you know, all entrepreneurs or founders out there to make sure that you really choose your investors carefully. Um sometimes you don't have a choice and sometimes you you have to choose what's in front of you, but um it's interesting. I've I've learned a lot over my years of working with investors and shareholders and and board members and it's really critical that you have alignment um with who you bring on because if you don't you know you could be working on one thing and then you know everyone else is trying to work on something else and so you're very misaligned um so it can, it can really create some havoc so i would just um encourage everyone to make sure you bring on um aligned um partners what is your long-term strategy for quinn Yeah, so our long-term strategy is really, I mean, our whole mission is be and do better every single day. And so, um, you know, we're very focused on our supply chain and and the more we grow, the 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 more um creation and impact we have in our supply chain. So, we're very focused on on that. Um in addition, you know, we always believed that Quinn can truly be a household brand and so we're very focused on pretzels, but You never know where we will be in the future, but right now we're committed on innovating in the pretzel category.